When we say Christmas, most everybody, especially our young people and teenagers, and probably me too, we want to think of gifts. We think of gifts, and we think about giving gifts. Many of us are thinking about getting gifts. Am I right, somebody? Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, is this okay to say yeah to? We want, we want these gifts. It's so interesting to me when people give gifts, because believe it or not, in our receiving, it's all good. But in our gift giving, we can be somewhat insecure. Have you ever heard somebody say when they gave you a gift, it isn't much? You're like, well, then why are you giving me it? <laughs> well, I never know what to get you. You probably won't like it, but here you go. I didn't know what else to do. And I think, okay, then don't do that. Right? Don't do that. Just give the gift. Let the gift be what the gift is. Maybe you didn't know, but some things you think and some things you say, that's something you just think. You don't need to tell them that it was a last-minute gift. You don't need to tell them how much it was or that you had it on clearance. You don't have to tell them these things. Be excited and allow the gift to speak for itself. We need to do a better job of that ourselves as we give a gift. God did it perfectly. He didn't send Jesus and say, well, this is our last resort, people. It's either him or nothing. I really don't know you anymore, so I'm just going to send this and see what happens. He never said anything like, well, you probably won't like him. Actually, <laughs> there's a prophecy about he was going to be rejected regardless. God was so secure in the gift that he was giving. When God sent his one and only son into the world to save the world, he gave multiple reasons why Jesus was, in fact, the best gift. He went the opposite direction. Instead of downplaying the gift, making it out to where it was kind of like last resort, instead, there was multiple reasons, multiple reasons why Jesus is, in fact, the best gift there is. Now, on your way out today, we've put together a guidebook. 31 reasons the word became human. A way, there's 31 days in January, 31 reasons, there's, there's more, giving you these to be able to process this and read God's word as you begin the new year. If you want one of these, grab one on your way out and you can start the new year off right. This morning, I'm going to talk on about five of them. I'm going to talk about five of them. Now, if you've been actually following with the Christmas Reason see, a series that we've been in, there's going to be a bit of a review for you as we bring it all together, the culmination of how God sent Jesus for, the, for a reason according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today, we're bringing it all together in one sentence to help us truly understand Let's begin. I'd like to tell you a story about a particular group of individuals, a truly unique group that included all shapes, sizes, and colors. Among them were the tall and the small, the large and the little, the quick and the quiet, the loud and the lengthy, the big and the bougie, and the petite and the poor. Together they formed a captivating clan. This diverse gathering of misfits was overseen by a caretaker whose qualities embodied kindness, 
love, compassion, thoughtfulness, and mercy. However, a significant challenge presented itself. The caretaker resided at a considerable distance from them. Regardless, the caretaker devised a system to care for the interesting bunch. Rather than a mere checklist, the system was crafted to actually reveal their need for the caretaker. The intention was to encourage the people to seek help, acknowledging their inability to navigate life on their own. Unfortunately, instead of improvement, the system was manipulated and perverted by the people. Tension and division festered between the people and the caretaker. Knowing the people would not change on their own and could not follow the letter of the system, the caretaker made a crucial decision. He understood that these individuals, to for them to experience true care, he needed to live alongside them. And so, that's exactly what he did. The caretaker moved in next door to the people, plunging himself into their world. He shared their meals, drank what they drank, spoke in their language, and wore their attire, all with the sole purpose of caring for these misfits. Living in close proximity allowed him to address their needs in ways they couldn't manage on their own. You see, the caretaker loved these people wholeheartedly to the extent that he desired to rescue them from their own struggles. However, he understood that true salvation required him to not simply move in, but to step in and take their place. And so it was. The word became human, fulfilling the law and prophets, preaching the truth, and seeking to save the lost by taking our place. Friends and family, church family, we are the people in this story. Misfits, odds and ends, while the caretaker is none other than our Heavenly Father, the Almighty God of the universe. And I want you to consider today how we accomplished, how he accomplished the impossible for you and for me. Let us begin with the beginning of our sentence. The word became human. John chapter 1 records this in the first 14 verses of John chapter 1, where he says, in the beginning, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. He created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. He came into the world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came into his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted or received him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So, verse 14, the word became human and made his home among us. He 
was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. When we think about this idea, we say, word became human. We really expounded on this at one point during our series. And we looked at those three words, word uh, became and human. Let's look at those quickly once more. The word, word, connected with the Jewish people. So John is writing this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he's connecting with the Jewish people, the Jewish readers, the Greek readers. It's interesting, when they heard the word, word, they understood immediately what they were talking about with their own mental map. Here's why. The Jewish reader knew that the word, a word, actually was the self-expression of God himself to humanity. So when the Jewish readers heard that word, read that word, they knew this is the self-expression of God to humanity. And the Greek readers would have known the word as is translated, the Greek word logos, They would have known Lagos because they would look at that and they would have philosophy conversations and they would have professors. Please tell me what in fact is the ordering principle or chief reason for the existence of the universe. These really super smart people. And they would say, oh, that's Lagos. And that's the same word. And so when they heard that, they go, the expression of God the one that is in charge of the universe, the word became human. So there's the word, became. Now when we say became or become, becoming, we think of a process, don't we? We think of a process where something was something and then it left that something behind and became something completely different. Well, that's our human thought process. That's our mentality in our thoughts to think like, okay, so if it's going to be a caterpillar and turns into a butterfly, it's no longer a caterpillar. Uh, We miss the point here. When God became human, he didn't leave his divinity, his godness, in heaven and then step into the role of a man and was just man. God fully God, not abandoning his home, stepped into something he had not done yet. Interesting. He was 100% God and stepped into being 100% human. The existence, the the, the control of the universe, the reason for it, and the self-expression of God in human form. He became. And when you look at that, you're kind of like, what? First Timothy says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body. Mind-boggling that the word became human. The outcome of this, God with skin on. God in a physical body physical earth earth living for an unlimited, all-powerful God of the universe. He took on something for you and for me. The word became human, now fulfilling the law and the prophets. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. 
tells us about this, fulfilling the law and the prophets. Don't, under, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. The word became human, fulfilling the law and the prophets. Let's look at the law and the prophets. First, the law. Think of a mirror. I thought it was more of a checklist, like do's and don'ts. So did they. It's more of a mirror. The law was to reveal. The law is designed to reveal three things. Reveal and explain what sin is. To reveal and expose sin in us, though it could not save us. You know, a mirror doesn't change the way you look. Amen. Doesn't matter how you shift it to the side. Doesn't matter how you do this. It doesn't. You turn the mirror around. Maybe that'd help. I don't know. But the mirror just exposes what's already there. That's why you don't like mirrors. It cannot save you. It cannot change you. The law was designed to expose sin, though it could not save us. And third, to reveal and express our need for a savior. The idea was that people, humanity, would look into the law, the mirror, and say, I don't like what I see. And instead of trying to fix it themselves, the idea was, God, there's nothing I can do about that. I'm lost. I need you. The law was to point us to the Savior. Instead, it was manipulated and perverted and used as a sense of like, oh, I'll just follow the rules, and all that I do will make me good enough. Since we messed it up as humanity, Jesus came to be the final sacrifice within that system, the Old Testament sacrificial system, to be the final sacrifice that says, listen, you guys aren't doing this right. I'm going to be the final sacrifice once and for all. You'll be declared righteous because of me, not because of anything that you have done. And Jesus fulfilled the letter of the law, not just simply satisfying it, but fulfilling it, saying, okay, this has been accomplished. Now, the prophets is a rather peculiar thought. Okay, the law, maybe I could understand, but now the prophets? Think about all the prophecies, and I can't go through all of them and explain all of them. That would be a wonderful study for you as you go into the new year, between even going from Christmas to New Year's, and just research how many prophecies that the life of Jesus actually fulfilled. To name a few, his birth in Bethlehem was prophesied in Micah 5. Fleeing to Egypt because Herod was looking to get rid of all the two-year-old boys and under. So they fleed to Egypt. And then they, he was called out of Egypt. Another prophecy fulfilled. Riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Matthew 21 talks about that. The betrayal of Judas. Jesus invited him into his inner circle knowing full well what was going on. Could you imagine Inviting somebody into your inner circle, your trust circle, if you will, a circle of trust, and then knowing this one is not going to last. Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, did that thing, fulfilling a prophecy. His crucifixion and the casting of lots for his clothing, the suffering servant, his resurrection, piercing his side was a prophecy fulfilled. Cleansing the temple when Jesus went in there, did not sin, 
But he went into the temple and he cleared it out, buddy. You need to read through that story and see how Jesus was, uh, was overtaken or, or allowed this holy anger, if you will. He was angry, but, not, but did not sin in his anger. And he cleared out the temple. He, and this was a prophecy fulfilled that he was going to, this Messiah was going to love the house of God. He was known as the good shepherd prophecy fulfilled. This is why the Old Testament is so important. You cannot take the Old Testament and say, well, we don't really need that. That's all the old stuff. Why? Because what the Old Testament predicts, the New Testament presents. You can see them working together. What the Old Testament anticipates, the New Testament has authenticated. And so you see how those work together. He came and his life fulfilled the law and it fulfilled the prophets. And so the word became human, fulfilling the law and the prophets, preaching the truth. Mark chapter one and in verse 37 teaches how Jesus came to teach and to preach. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you, but Jesus replied, you must go on the other, to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them. That is why I came. He came to preach the truth. Mark tells us the reason. Matthew tells us what he said, a lot of what he said. Matthew was all about what Jesus said. Mark was all about what Jesus did. Luke talked a lot about how he felt. And John talks about who he was. It all comes together. Four Gospels and a beautiful picture of the Jesus Messiah. And so Mark lays out the reason. Matthew talks about, that's why Matthew's 28 chapters. If, it was, if he didn't talk about all the sermons that Jesus said, it would have probably been one of the smallest Gospels. Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount, preaching. The kingdom parables, more teaching. The Olivet Discourses are speaking about end times. Additionally, there's this sermon about him being the bread of life. The Great Commission, farewell discourse or sermon in John chapter 14, where Jesus addresses his disciples before the crucifixion, imparting important teachings and prayers on him. Repentance and forgiveness he teaches. Jesus talks about humility. Humility and servanthood. We need to capture that concept and idea of humility. It's so not about you. Christmas is not about me. We need to be humble. He teaches on faith. He teaches on servanthood. Jesus teaches and he preaches. So the word became human, fulfilling the law and the prophets, preaching the truth and seeking to save the lost. We talked about this just last week where you can see precious stories, real stories, true stories of how Jesus sought after how Jesus went into somebody's life and said, hey, we need to talk. Can you relate to that? Have you had a moment in which you truly submitted yourself to the Lord? 
and things changed. If you've been a Christian, per se, for years, and nothing has changed, I'm going to ask you to revisit that word, Christian. I don't want you to miss it. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. If you don't know Jesus, we are considered then the lost. He met with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, in Luke 19. The woman caught in adultery, and he said, okay, so anybody who's never sinned, go ahead, let's start firing away. And the only one that was sinless was Jesus, and he chose not to throw that stone. He chose to offer grace. Calling of Matthew, or Levi, would be another name referred to, the tax collector, Terrible people, terrible people, robbing people, Jewish people that kind of, they, they were looked at as traitors by the other Jewish people. Like, you're working for the Romans and you're, you're gorging us? Well, of course you're doing well. You're taking all our money. And Jesus sought after Matthew. Matthew did not seek after Jesus. Make no mistake of this, that Jesus is the initiator, the author and perfecter of our faith. Healing and forgiving the paralytic In Mark 2, healing the 10 lepers, going after people. This is why he came, to seek and to save the lost. The call of the first disciples in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptics, those three making up the synoptic gospels, Jesus calls fishermen. Don't belong preaching and teaching, but Jesus called them. He had Peter, Andrew, James, and John. This act symbolizes Jesus' mission to gather the marginalized. If you think you don't belong, you're in a good heart posture. You're ready to serve. If you think you got it all figured out, you're further away than you think. He came to seek and to save the lost. Those that know they're sinners, that know it, you're ready. Those that think they, oh, not that big of a deal. He's got some work to do with you. The rich young ruler, hey, I've done everything. I've kept the letter of the law. I'm a good person. Great. Sell everything and follow me. Stopped him in his tracks. Jesus sought after him. The young rich man walked away from him. Two of the very most popular ones, some of my favorites, is the Samaritan woman where Jesus goes and sits at a well. You think it was an accident? You think it was an accident that all of a sudden this woman happened to be there? Jesus happened to be there? Oh, what a coincidence. Okay, this worked out well. She was there because of her lifestyle at noon. Jesus was there because he was going there. He was headed there. He knew exactly what he was doing. To reveal that he was the Messiah to a woman that was outcast by society and culture. And he has a precious conversation with her. Not judgment, truth. The truth, though, can feel hard, can't it? And somebody says, well, you're doing this. Who are you to tell me? Well, he's God. So he gets to do that. And then she went nuts. Come and talk to this man who told me everything I've ever done. You're excited about that? She was changed. 
She knew she was a sinner. And then the most religious of them, one of the more higher-ups, Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he has a conversation in John chapter 3 with Jesus about what does it mean to be reborn and trying to get beyond all the super smart stuff he knew to be able to receive that. See, the woman of the well, she got nothing. Okay, yeah, bring it in because I know I've got nothing. And then when you have super smart religious people that are doing all kinds of good things to earn favor, they figured, well, maybe I don't need as much help as I, as I thought. The word became human, fulfilling the law and the prophets, preaching the truth, seeking to save the lost. But why? But why? We've spent these last weeks of Advent talking about how God sent Jesus for a reason. And to wrap this conversation up, the word became human, fulfilling the law and the prophets, preaching the truth, seeking to save the lost by taking our place. God sent Jesus for a reason, and the reason is you. The reason is actually you. First Peter tells us that he personally carried our sins in his body and on the cross so that we can be dead into sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. For even the Son of Man, Mark says, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus thought about his death on the cross, Jesus, in his humanity, no doubt says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the reason I came. God sent Jesus for a reason. And the final accomplishment of his all, he was literally birthed in human form to die on our behalf. What belonged to me in my place, he took on. Romans chapter 6 says, for the wages of sin is death. Something was going to die. Someone for the cost of sin. When we sinned, we violated the perfect standard of a holy God. For that sin... Death is the penalty according to the perfect law of God, the system in place. That is why there was no, that why the sacrificial system was even in place. It was there to reveal this. So either a finite, limited person, you and me, must pay for our sins for an infinite, unlimited amount of time, or an infinite, unlimited person, Jesus, must pay for our sins 
once. Brothers and sisters, we don't deserve that deal. You want to talk about somebody getting a raw end of the deal? We got all the good. We end up on the far side of the deal. We get all the good. Jesus came to step into our place as if you're standing before a judge and the judge says, you're guilty. And now the sentence is to be carried out. And so the sentence is to be carried out. Jesus walks in and says, yeah, they're guilty, all right. He doesn't try to self-help you or to think positively about you. No, you're wrong. You're guilty. But I'm not. So as an innocent, perfect Lamb of God, he steps into our role that we deserved. He stepped into that. And he took the burden, literally becoming guilty, though he was not. He took the guilt upon himself. Who does that? Who does that? Yeah, you, you deserve it. Everything you get. But I want to take it for you. So that you will see the love of God. Now, make no mistake. You are not. I am not the center of Christmas. I am not the center of it all. It is not all about me. It is all about what God chose to do for us and through us coming to us. God sent Jesus for a reason and the reason is you. Every week I like to give next steps for us to know like, what do I do with this now? What do I do with this? Let's illustrate this together. Does everybody have a candle? Did you get a candle when you came in? Get your candle there. If you do not have a candle, I take you to raise your hand and I'm gonna have somebody come and give one to you. We have one up here. Anybody in the balcony or underneath the balcony that needs one? Go ahead and get those ready here. Let me get mine ready also. As we illustrate this, about what this actually means. It is the responsibility of the believer that has been given a light to then pass it on. So we've been saying this all month long. Invite others into your Christmas. Invite others into your Christmas and share the Christmas reason with others because someone shared it. 
either you brought somebody here and you're sharing it, guess what? You're being introduced to it. Don't let it pass by. Let it be a moment that you receive that light. And as you see the light spread throughout this space, I want you to picture this is why he came. I'll come in front of each section here and I will light one candle and let you spread it out. Middle section, make sure they get it under there. And Dwayne, make sure to go up into the balcony and get those people as well. Now let's watch the word spread. <laughs> 